Good morning, Chapel. How are we doing today? Glad to have you here. Glad to have you here. Um, Those of you, if you're new here today, we're one church in three locations, and we meet for worship in Midlothian and in the city in Richmond and Scott's Edition and at Chesterfield County Jail. And so I would love to look in the back of the room at the camera and say good morning, 1115 Scott's Edition, and good morning to the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. We love you. Come on, Midlothian. Let's welcome everybody today. Can we? Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, um, you got a bunch of information on the way in today. So if you want to take that out, I want to explain a little bit of that to you. We're starting a new series today called Next. Come on, everybody say next. Come on, next. And so, so over the next month, we got teaching notes in there in that little booklet, all the teaching scriptures, big ideas that are going to guide us for the next month. And it's really a vision series as a church of where we're headed for the next two years. Yeah, so if you are newer with us, or even if this is your first Sunday, you picked in a fantastic time to be here. The next several weeks are going to be rolling out vision and just seeing the amazing places we believe God is going to take us in the next few years. Yeah, I want to just give you two dates, though. Uh, first Wednesday is March 2nd, and our, our uh, core leaders are, we're prepared. There's a little commitment card in there, and uh, I want you to know I'm not going to ask you for money, Okay. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to ask God if if God stirs your heart in this next month to participate with us in this two-year generosity focus to expand our mission and ministry here in, in this city and around the world. And uh, March 2nd, first Wednesday, our leaders are prepared to go first. Katie and I, all of us are going to fill out that con- commitment card, be a part of that. But March 20th, come on, somebody say March 20th. Uh, that is uh, Commitment Sunday where we'll all make a commitment of what we feel like our families can do for the next two years. And then we'll have a celebration Sunday shortly after that. So March 20th. Okay, if you just write that on your calendar, be a great conclusion to this series right before Easter, gearing up for all the things God's going to do in our church. Yeah, and inside your book, there's a little pamphlet that looks like this. And inside there, there's these cute little prayer, they're little blue stickers called prayer dots. And the idea for those is to stick them places that you look at every day, probably on your phone case or on your computer or maybe the refrigerator, if you go yep. there a lot, um, someplace that you just see every day and see a lot. And the idea of that is just to give you a reminder when you see that little symbol yeah. to pray for what God's going to be doing next here at the chapel. You know, we try to kind of bake in the cake around yep. here at the chapel that we want to pray first, right? Yep, we don't right. want to go forward without his presence. That's right. And one of our prayers for you is that you wouldn't see this series and what's going on at the chapel is just something that the church is doing. We really want you to take the time to pray and realize that God is going to be doing something in each one of us during this season. You know, as we sit here today, there are people sitting in darkness, people that don't know him yet that I believe someday are going to be brought here into his presence. And we need a people who not only can help provide them a seat to sit in, but who are ready to love on them as they come and join our church. So just be praying and ask God, what do you want me to be doing as a part of this series and a part of what God has coming for our church. Yeah. So can we just take a Let's moment to pray? Let's do that. Let's pray. In fact, before we roll out this vision, if you're comfortable today, would you hold your hands like this? Oh, let's take a sacred moment to just pause. And we got some plans we're excited to share today, but we really need God's God's help and the enablement of the power of the Holy Spirit. Katie, just pray today that God would help us on this journey for what he has for our church. God, as we enter what you have laid out for us, we first of all just want to take the moment to say thank you. We just thank you for the way that you've been moving in our church. Even during these tough times in these last few years, you have just been moving in powerful ways in people's lives. And so we just thank you for the way you've been moving in and among us and through us, God. And I pray for unity. I pray that we would all be on the same page going forward, that even now in this service, you would begin to speak to the hearts of people and let them know what you have for them, what part they can play. Because 
our heart and our goal in all of this is to make the name of yeah. Jesus famous yeah, in this Jesus. area. We know that Do people that. are gonna walk into this building who have needs, people who are far from you, people yeah. who need community. We just wanna be that place. Yeah. Not to make the name of Chapel famous, but to make you famous because we know that as soon as we can get people in your presence, yeah. anything could happen, God. Yeah. So we love you. We are so honored we get to be a part of what you're doing in the city of Richmond. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, you can open that little booklet and after there's a little page we wrote to you and then on the end, the second page there are some teaching notes. And uh, just to let you know, today's a, uh, an exciting day as well. We're gonna celebrate water baptism in all the services all morning in Scott's edition here in Midlothian. And so if you're a family member or friend uh, here to celebrate baptism, we're gonna do that. And I'll, I'll actually dismiss us in Midlothian in a really obvious way. I'll say we, we're dismissed now if we're being baptized. So that'll be kind of my subtle cue when I say now. Okay, just because I know sometimes when you're being baptized, you're like, did I miss the moment? I'll make it super um, clear. Well, uh, as we're jumping into a series on vision, I want to just tell you one or quick, one or two quick stories. I shared some of these at vision nights, but as we roll out our space challenges, first of all, let me say, I think we need space. So I don't, I don't know for sure, but I think we're in the lobby. Can you guys in the back there just open the door so I can say, uh, I don't know if we have stuff in front of, hey, chapel in the lobby. We love you. Come on, tell chapel in the lobby. We love you guys. It's a lot of people in the lobby. And we're going to try to offer a plan for this solution in about 12 minutes, okay? I mean, not to solve it today. That feels like an overpromise. But uh, for what our plan is. But I want to thank you for being willing to sit near donuts in the lobby and flexible. Come on, give it up for chapel in the lobby one more time. Thank you, guys. You can shut those doors if you want now. You can shut them. But hey, I want you to know as a church, it's never really been about buildings. And we're going to talk about some facility expansions in Midlothian and readying ourselves to expand our footprint in Scott's Edition or future campuses in a minute. But it's never really been about bricks and sticks or buildings to us. In fact, when Katie and I moved here 10 years ago, we were meeting in a rented facility at the National Theater. Who here has ever been to a chapel service at the National? Come on, we did this Christmas Eve. I know it's a... Man, we were set up and tear down at the National. And in fact, you'd know how good the concert was the night before based on how sticky your feet were with all the beer spilled on the floor the night before. And, and, and the kids' rooms were upstairs. I don't know if you remember that. We'd try to keep them out of the jacuzzis, because hot tubs, because who knew what happened in those during the week? And uh, so we'd be like, don't go in there. And, uh, and man, I mean, the, I remember elementary room had a pool table in the middle. So the kids would pick up the cue ball and you'd be like, you're going to kill someone. You know, like it was just, it was just raw, real. We'd end every Sunday with an amen. Can you move your chair? Like it was <laughs> really glad you're here. Can you, move? you know, I mean, it was, it was incredible and set up and tear down, but it was never about a building to us because people were our heart and, and Jesus was our message. And, and so we, we just made it work there and we would, we would commute when we went multi-campus, we would, we'd do a song singing at one campus, preaching at another. Then I'd drive to the other one and we'd sing it. And, and then, <laughs> is it okay to confess my sins in church? In fact, one, uh, one Sunday I was running behind at, at coming from Midlothian to getting off the downtown expressway at 7th Street to, to make it to the national. And you know, downtown, the business district was, is pretty dead on Sunday morning. So, but when I pulled off the exit, there was this row of stoplights just all red. And I said, man, I'm running late and I need to preach the gospel. And, uh, 
And so it's probably the wrong thing. I just ran the red light, you know. And I came up to the side of the national where I jumped right in where the, where, to rock right out and preach right away. And one of the team members, his name was Josh Conrad, got my car and parked it. And as soon as he's getting ready to pull away with my car, uh, a police officer pulls him over. <laughs> and says, I just saw you run those red lights on 7th Street. And he says, it wasn't me. It was my pastor. <laughs> my pastor ran the lights. And he's like, it can't. I don't know what you mean. Where's your pastor? He's like on the stage preaching. And the officer actually said, that story is so crazy. It has to be true. You know? <laughs> and so we're just kind of making it happen. In fact, finally, we had some different limitations with parking and other things. I remember our last Sunday at the National and just the sadness of losing that, of leaving that venue. And, but it was never, but it was really never about, about, about a place. It was never about, about a location. It was never about a building because people were our heart and Jesus was our message. And we, in fact, moved back to the fan where our church started. You say, where do you get the name chapel? It starts, we'll show you a picture of it in a minute, from our original building at the corner of, of a park and meadow in the fan. Uh, no parking spaces. When I say no parking spaces, I mean zero. Sometimes other pastors complain about parking and I say, don't do it. Not to me because we had a church with zero, I mean zero parking places. Okay, it was all street parking. And I remember the neighbors didn't love that and parallel parking and all the pressure of that. In fact, they were kind of frustrated that we were coming in on Sundays and parking. In fact, some of them thought we had hot tubs at church. It was just a baptismal out front. How many know, that's how you know your neighbor needs to get saved when they think you got a hot tub, you know? It's like, no, those aren't hot tubs. We're like baptizing people out there and I tried one one year to go to the fan association and kind of smooth things over with the neighbors. I took my daughter. She was 12 years old at the time. And I said, I'm going to teach you how to make peace with the neighbors because they feel like we're taking our par their parking and we're going to kind of win them over and we're going to love on them. And you're going to learn how to win friends and influence people. I'll show you how to do it. And they ate me alive. Okay. <laughs> I remember walking back to the car. My daughter, 12 years old, looks up at me and says, Dad, how do you think that went? It didn't win. And uh, so, so we're going to talk about facilities today and expansion and some of those things. But I, I want to just let you know, it's never, about, it's never about buildings. In fact, when we brought the building here in Midlothian, all the chairs that you're sitting in came with the building and they were all stained and we were just like, they work fine. And some people ask, why do you turn the lights down low during worship? And I always say, have you ever seen the chairs with the lights up high? Come on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're just, it's not about stuff. It's not about buildings. It's not about bricks and sticks. It's not about building spaces. People are our heart and Jesus is our message. And that's always been the heart of our church. Never about the place, always about the people. But you know, we entered in this uh, new series called Next and God began to stir in my heart that over the last two years, all of us have moved in some way. And some of us have moved with intentionality closer to God and his will and his purpose. But some of us have maybe moved because our systems and structures were taken away. And we maybe drifted away from what God has for us. So I want to ask us all that question today. Not did you move, but did you move with intentionality? Do you like where you moved to? In fact, I want to say this online. If you're watching online, if you have health concerns or reason physically that you need to stay um, virtual, we, we love you. you. You absolutely 100% part of our church. But if you've just gotten into the habit of staying online just because it's easier, I want to invite you back into the room. There's nothing like being in the room. There's nothing like being in the room. There really isn't. Nothing like being in the room. Gathering with one another. In fact, turn to the person next to you and tell them you're handsome. Come on, just or you're good looking. Come on, just tell them that today. That's why we come, right? 
Some of you didn't turn either way. You just said, no, nope. I'm not doing that. So we need one another. And, you know, Jesus told a story. He said in life, floods would come and storms would come. In life, maybe, maybe not always COVID, but something happens in life that always challenges our lives. And Jesus told a story that, that the floods of life and the storms of life are going to come to everybody. But there's two kinds of people, some that move towards their necks, that go towards what God has for them, and some that drift in purposelessness. In fact, let me tell you the story that Jesus told in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. So the people that come and hear the words of Jesus and do the words of Jesus, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and he, and he laid the foundation on a rock. And watch what happened when the flood came. The torrent struck. That house could not shake it because it was well built. He built his foundation on the words of Jesus and it could handle the shaking, it could handle the winds, it could handle the rains. But he said there was another kind of house and it's people who hear his word and don't, don't do it. They, they just hear the word of Jesus. They don't let their life be transformed by it. He said that's like a person who built their house on the ground or on the sand without a foundation. The moment that the storm hits that house, it collapses. So my question for you and for me today is not did a storm hit our world in the last couple of years, but what did it reveal our foundation as? You see, I don't think COVID brought problems to us. I think it just revealed the problems we already had. Mm, this is good preaching, you know. I mean, it didn't create problems. It just said, hey, that was already an issue of brokenness in our life and has to be addressed. And I want to challenge us in this season that one of the things that I think that has happened is we've stopped dreaming about the future. In fact, the news has created a paralysis of the future is only going to be bad, 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 bad. And, and, and it's going to limit. And I just want to tell you, God has more. God has a future. God has a next for you, for your marriage, for your family, for your situation, for your job, for your school, for your future relationships. How many believe? God has a next, right? That's what this series is about. And we're gonna, we're gonna, over the next month, talk about where God's taking us next as a church, but it's also where God's taking us individually because our church is no stronger than the families that make up, than the people that make up our church. And we have to stop believing the lie that, that, it, that only bad is coming. We have to place our faith to say, I'm gonna build on a foundation. In fact, this... <laughs> My Sunday school teacher taught me this story. My Sunday school taught me this story with a song. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. And the house on the rock stood firm. You know this part, it goes like this. The rain came down and the floods came. Come on again. The rain came down and the The rain came down and the And the house on the rock stood firm. It's not over, I'm sorry. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling. All right, we're going to compete. Which side can sing louder? The rains came down and the... Come on. The rains came down and the... 
that's it. The rains came down and the and the house on the sand fell flat, splat. Come on, give yourself a hand. I'll be here all day. Excited about this. And those of you that didn't know that song, just consider yourself blessed because my Sunday school teacher was mean. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, I learned that little song and I think it's true of life that storms are gonna, how many know storms are gonna come, right? Wind will come, rain will hit. And the question is, it will reveal, it will not create things, but it will reveal the foundation that's there. So God, what has it revealed about me? <laughs> maybe some things I'm happy with, but maybe some things I'm not. So I want to talk to us today about the next God has for us. And I want to build it around this verse today, which is the end of Paul's prayer. It's a prayer that is in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, where he's praying that we would be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, that we'll dwell in his love, that we'd be rooted and grounded in it. And then he ends with this doxology that I just want to speak over our church and our lives. Now to him who is able to do, come on, say it with me, what? Immeasurably what? Come on. Immeasurably more, more than all we ask or imagine. I want you to think of how different this is than what we think. We think that God can't quite answer our prayers because they're too big. But Paul says, you can't even pray big enough to get to what God can do. Not only can you not pray big enough, not more than we ask, you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine what God has for your family. You can't even imagine what God has for our city. We can't even imagine what God has for our church. We can't even imagine what God would. How many know we've lived in a world that's beaten the drum, that nothing, that it's all, it's terrible, and it's never. And, it, and I'm here to remind us today, we serve a God who can do not just more, but immeasurably more, okay? More than we ask. More than we imagine. You say, well, pastor, how that feels pretty arrogant. No, no, no. Because it's not according to our power. It's according to whose power? Come on. His power. Everything you're going to hear this weekend isn't about us. It's about him. Everything you're going to hear this weekend isn't because we think we're good, but he's good. It isn't because we think we have the ability. We think he has all ability. He says he can do this more than we ask, more than we can imagine, because it's his power at work within us. Aren't you glad his power is at work within you? And he says, and here's what's going to happen. You need to realize this. He's going to work in such a way that God brings himself glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says, God is going to do immeasurably more in our life, but it's not for us. It's for his glory in the church, not only in the church, but in generations to come. So we exist for the glory of God. Can we say that? This isn't about a, a chapel brand or a chapel team, or it's about the glory of the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen today, right? The glory of the name of Jesus, but it's shown in the church through all generations. So let me just say this, because I talk to pastor friends who say stuff like, like in-person church isn't a thing anymore. Everybody just wants virtual. And I'm just here to tell you, Jesus is still building his church. There are people sitting next to a donut wall in the lobby today because you're amazing because Jesus is still building his church. And I want to say this, Jesus wants to build a strong church because our world is broken. If we've ever needed a strong church, it's in the world we live in, right? 
He says throughout all generations, and it's not just for us, it's for our kids and our grandkids and the kids that haven't even been born yet. In fact, I've been living in Richmond just long enough, and I moved here 10 years ago from the north to get mad at all the people moving down here from the north. In fact, the other day we were driving to church, and I said, look at all these northerners knocking our trees down and building these new houses. Why can't they stay out of our city? I like these trees. Come on, how many know? It's a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite right there. I don't, I don't even know who all the condos are for. Have you ever just looked at the world they're building and go, who are all the people that are going to live in these things? But I assume somebody's thought of that. I don't know who they are, but I know this. We have to create a place because people are coming and they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And they can't be told, we love you. There's no place for you. <laughs> In fact, let me tell you how, how uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this same uh, doxology. God can do anything you know, for far, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, uh, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Let's say it this weekend. Glory to God in the church, in people's generations, in our life, and in our city. That's what this is. So here's what I'm asking us to do this weekend. I'm asking us to just believe that God is a God of more. That God is a God of more. That he has more than just us limping along through life, never getting past the season of life. God has a God of more for your life, for your marriage, for your business, for your future. But it's not just so that the more would be about us, but the more would be about bringing glory to God and bringing his message of Jesus to the world around us. Believe that God is a God of what? God is a God of what? More. More. And I'm telling you, the world has said it's not. And I want you to know this series next is about us turning the page from what was and turning the page to what God has for us next. And saying, God, we're going to believe you in this season to do more than we could ever ask or think or dream or imagine. Now, let me say this to the chapel in Scott's edition in Midlothian. I think what we're experiencing right now is not normal. And I think we can tend to think it's normal, but a lot of churches are in seasons of struggle. And for whatever reason, not because of our goodness, but the kindness of God and in the life of our church, there's a sense of divine grace and divine favor on our church. And let me just say this, because people are like, what, what did you do or how did we, we're not, we're not this good. God is just good to us. How many believe that, right? Some of you know us, right? You're like, I believe you. Amen. God is a God of more who's setting grace on our church. And we're asking ourselves not only to believe that there is more, that, the, that God is a God of more, but to ask ourselves this question to understand what the more is for, okay? And the more isn't just for us. The more is for, I want you to see this, the more is for the glory of God in the church and in Christ Jesus. And the more is for all generations, forever and ever and ever. So let it be said this week, and, and it's the cry of our heart that Jesus would be big in the chapel, okay? That Paul's prayer, glory of God in the church and in Jesus and in generations to come. Or Isaiah puts it this way, your name and your renown are the desire of our heart. Your name and your renown are the desire. My desire for the chapel is that Jesus would do something so incredible in our midst that God would get famous in our city. 
and that people would be like, you don't understand. There's a place where, he, where sins are forgiven, bodies are healed, pasts are erased, marriages are restored, and addictions are broken, hope is restored. There's a place where God meets people, and not just in our church, but in all Jesus-proclaiming, spirit-empowered churches in our city, that Jesus' name and his renown would be the desire of our heart. How many know our goal is to bring glory to God, right? Okay, that's our goal. So, so here's the question. What is the more for? And the more for that we're trying to figure out is how do we make space in this next season for what God's doing in our church? And here's my dream. You know the problems. I'm not going to spend long hitting them. But over the last year or two, we've just had to limit the ministry we can do because of the limitations of this facility. And we want to prepare for future expansion in Scott's Edition, other campuses, and what God's doing here and so we're launching a generosity initiative this weekend called Next. <laughs> and it's a goal over the next 24 months for God to make space for people. And you know, we, um, we, we got people in the lobby today. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we did six Christmas Eve services. And what we're trying to say is by, by seven or eight, we're just mad at you. You know what I mean? No. I, mean, I don't mean at you, but like, like my kids are like dead. You know what I mean? How many know there's only so many you can do? The band will hate us. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and so we're, we're saying we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful. But at our peak worship times, 930 and 1115, we're at or exceeding um, capacity. And the other thing that's happened over the last month is I've just been traveling around meeting with a ton of our leaders. I have been meeting with a bunch of people that due to health concerns are still home right now. 20% of our church is coming back in person in the next year. And what we're going to have to say to them is, we're really glad you're back. Now, can you sit near the restroom? You know what I mean? Like, like where do we, what do we do with the 20% that's coming back? And what do we do? We've had to cut off VBS every year. We don't even promote it anymore to the community because we can only get our kids in it. Women's night, we cut off registration. I mean, we do. So, so at the end of all that, we're trying to figure out what God has for us next. Do you want to hear what God has for us next? All right, come on, take a look. I love this church. I can't believe it was 10 years ago that Katie and I moved to Richmond with our kids to join a young but growing group of people in the heart of Richmond. I remember the experience of worship here at the chapel in the city, in the fan district. We'd worship in multiple services without even owning one parking space. But despite all the space limitations, God was at work in the hearts of his people. And people flowed through these beloved red doors week after week. You see, it was never about a building. People are our heart. Jesus is our message. Over the past decade, we've seen God expand our ministry to six weekend services in two locations. It's been incredible to see what's happened in the last decade. And each step along the way has required an element of faith, of sacrifice, it's required everyone who calls the chapel their home to come together before God and rally around the vision he's given us to help people everywhere come to know God. God's placed us in one of Richmond's most popular suburbs, Midlothian, and in one of its fastest growing neighborhoods in the city, Scott's Edition. And despite continuing to navigate a global pandemic, God's exceeded our expectations over and over again. We've seen his faithfulness in big ways this last year as hundreds of people have experienced new life in Jesus and they've been baptized and they've stepped into their God-given purpose. Along the way, God's allowed us to partner with Chesterfield County Jail 
and he's opened the door for us to be able to stream our weekend services into their men's and women's facilities each week. This third campus isn't a project to us, it's our people. Joining with the leadership of Tri-Hope, we have ministry homes, small groups, inside and outside the jail, and a community that walks with these men and women into a bright future of second chances. Now it's time for us to take the next step. Space limitations have restricted kids' ministry, worship services, VBS, and it's finally time for us to talk together about God's vision for our future. With everything going on in our world, I was wrestling with the timing of all this, praying. God made it so clear to us what we should do next. One day I was pulling out of the church after a full day of worship services, and I saw the new condos going up across the street. God spoke to my heart. The world around us is expanding and pushing forward in strength and confidence. Can't my church do the same? Let's not shrink back in fear and what ifs. Let's walk confidently into the incredible things he has for us next. Every time I see that rendering, I get excited. But what's exciting is not just a beautiful facility, an open lobby, or more seats in an auditorium, because it's never been about a building. It's always been about the people. I'm excited to have the space to really accomplish the vision that God's put on our heart, to help people come to know God, find freedom, and make a difference. Because people are our heart, and Jesus is our message. It's time for us to take the next step, over the next two years, we get to do something that very few churches or people get to do. God's taking us on a journey where he's accomplishing more than we could ever think, ask, or imagine. But to embrace these opportunities, it will require that we each depend on the Lord, that we trust in him. We can do this, but we can only do this together. We'll each need to examine what part we can play to make what's next for the chapel a reality. Here's the deal, chapel, we need you. God wants every person who calls the chapel their church to be a part of this next campaign. Next is a Holy Spirit moment through which we unify ourselves as one church to advance the vision and mission that God has given us. When I think about the future of the chapel, I see two churches, the one that's here now and the one that by God's grace, he wants us to become. God has something extraordinary in store for us. I believe it. I see it. Because what's next is beginning right now. Come on, let's give God praise today, can't we? Thanks. All right, so here's the flow. Here's the dream. Uh, in the next 24 months that we, uh, we launch this process, 
that we get a construction loan that would allow us to begin to break ground this summer and that the dream is within 24 months after two years, we break ground this summer, move in one, about 10 months to 12 months from then and then within 24 months have it all paid for, not owe the bank anything, be completely debt free as a church. Come on somebody, we can do that. God's gonna help us do that. And, uh, so, all right, let me, let me give you, let me give you a couple things, uh, that as we close today and, um, and just help. In fact, if you're going to be baptized today, we're so honored to celebrate with you. You can make your way back. Come on, give it up for those being baptized today. So good. So good. Let me, let me first of all say this. More means people are our heart. More means what? Come on. People are, people are our heart. It's not about buildings. It's about people. And we got to understand what the more is for. The more is for people, people's stories, people's life change, people's transformation. In fact, at all of our vision nights, we had just chance for people to share their stories. And every day the team would get together after one of those nights. And we were just blown away at stories we knew. Some of them we didn't know, a bunch of them we had never heard before. Just stories of how God saved people and delivered them and restored them and put their lives back together. And we need to know that uh, more means people are our heart. Friday night, I took um, my two youngest kids to a VCU game and uh, VCU versus Richmond. And they wanted to go to Lee's Chicken ahead of time. I thought that was a good idea. And uh, standing in line with my daughter and she said, I'm going to get the tender meal with two sides. And I said, well, you could probably just get one side. She said, I really want two sides. I said, okay, two sides. And so I walked away and a minute later, the food came to the table and she got her chicken with two sides of macaroni and cheese. And I said, Piper, your mom's going to ask what you got, like what you ate. And I was thinking you do like mac and cheese and like green beans or something respectable. It's supposed to be more than one color on your plate kind of thing. And, and she said, no, no, no. I got two sides because I want a double mac and cheese. How many know we need to sometimes be reminded what the more is for? And I want you to know the more is for what God's going to do in people's lives. Opening up the auditorium will allow space for people to worship on days like this. And will also create expanded opportunity. All the current footprint of the building will be kids, students, and offices. So renovated, expanded kids. At 9.30 the other week, we had like 29, I don't know how many kids, two-year-olds, like a lot. There were parents just come or just stack them on top of each other. And, and uh, how many know we need to make space? Come on, we need to make space make space for generations to come. But I just want to remind you, because some churches, they get into these deals and they make it about a building. I want you to know, if there was another way to do it without a building, we'd just do it that way. This isn't about a building. Buildings are a way of saying to people, we have a place for you. And when we invite our family members and friends and they can't really get in the parking lot and they can't really sit and they can't really, we're saying to them, we love you, we love you, we love you, however, I wonder if the logistic challenge is just inconvenient. It's not quite saying to them, we have a place for you. And so more means people are our heart. But listen, we got to promise ourselves in this process of generosity and building a building. It's not about a building. People are our heart. Hey, friends, it's not about a building. People are our heart, right? More means people are our heart. Here's the, the last thought. And then we're going to celebrate baptism. More means people are our heart. But come on, say it with me. Jesus is our Come on, Scott's edition, Midlow. Let's say it one more time. Jesus is our. You see, the story of people is important because people need community. They're looking, they're lonely. 
In fact, you know, uh, studies tell us that everything bad is up more than ever. I was talking to a couple in our church just last week and we were talking about how their business has been. I said, how's your business been? And she's, she's into real estate, he's in wine. And she's, they both said, our businesses have been crazy good. And I said, well, I think that's good with the real estate. I'm not sure about the wine. Like, and he said, no, I know it's up there. How many know, how many know addiction is up? Broken relationships are up? Suicidal thoughts in our young people? We, we can't even, connecting people to counselor. I mean, everyone's booked. It's everything, everything kind of struggling in our world is up. And people are looking for community. This will probably date me, but growing up, my parents made me go to bed. They didn't want me watching the show Cheers. Anybody remember Cheers? Although I could hear the theme song of them watching it out in the living room. And it would say, everybody wants to go to a place where, everybody, where somebody knows your name. You know, I think that's what the local church does. We want to create a place for people. We don't want to create, a, a, it's not about building a big church. This is just creating place for individual people with individual names to say, we have a spot for you, a seat for you, a kid's class with enough space for your kid. We, we, we thought about you. We have a place for you. We love you because people need community like never before. But what sets us apart isn't just people are our heart because a lot of places care about people. You have to combine that with the message of Jesus. How many know if you love Jesus but don't have something that can change their life, all you have is sentimentality, right? But how many know Jesus is our message? You know, Jesus is our message. In fact, that's the story of our church, story of our community, the message of Jesus. Two weeks from now, we're going. Katie and I are going out of town for just a few days on a little study break, and I'm praying about the next few teaching series as our church. And one of the things God's already put the seeds in my heart. One of the things I'm trying to work on hard as a pastor is to be as clear as I can. That God gave me this phrase, clear is convicting. <laughs> and some of the things God's leading me to preach on seem like the most obvious things in the world. But how many know our world is pretty broken right now? And apparently you have to say some obvious things right now. And people can't say it because they'll get canceled at their work or they'll get, they'll get in trouble at their college. And I think they're longing for a church that still has a message that's rooted in the Bible, rooted in God's word. I feel like God's telling me, hey, just work, Pastor Brandon, I'm like, just being as clear as you can to say God's truth. I want you, I just want to say this because when churches build buildings, people think it's about a brand and a look and it's about our message. Because when you get too slick for your message, you have no more power. We need to be a church that's just locked on this message. Jesus saves. I want to be a church that has a simple message, but powerful message. I don't want to be a church that, in fact, I, I ask for forgiveness from God anytime in preparation for a message. I, I want to be cute and clever. I, I want to just be clear and say the word of God. I want to be a church that declares, for by grace are you saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I want to be a church that's part of that. I want to be a part of a church that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might have life. How many want to be a part of a church? I want to be a part of a church that says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. I want to be a part of a church that says, behold, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I want to be a part of a church that says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of a church that says nothing in all creation, neither height nor depth, angels nor demons, things created, nor nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to be a part of a church that declares Colossians one for in him is the fullness of God all bodily uh, the person of the Lord Jesus I want to be a part of a church that lifts high the, I want to be a part of a church that's clear on who Jesus is don't you like who Jesus is what he's came to do I, I think we're dying for a world that just says, give me, give me something clear. All the double talk, and it might be, and you never know, and that things have changed. And don't you know that Bible verse, you could interpret it a little different. you got to know this and that. And in the gobbledygook, I'm going to pull a verse out here, cross this one out, say it a little different. I'm going to give a little dab of this and a little dab of this. I'm gonna get, I, need, I need three religions and a little bit of Oprah and a Bible. I think we need a place where Jesus Christ is proclaimed without compromise, with clarity he, he he died he rose again he has life and power there's salvation in no other name right? and i'm telling you there are churches everywhere that are fudging on these things oh if you just you know it's all roads lead to the same place jesus was pretty clear when he said do not let your hearts be troubled if you believe in god believe also in me and in my father's house were many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and thomas said we don't know where you're going how can we know the way and jesus said john 14 6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me we're not trying to be exclusive we're just trying to say it the way it is you can't get a relationship with god the father was that without going through god the son by being drawn by god the holy spirit listen we got to be a church that holds on to the men listen people are our heart but jesus is our message jesus is our message i think i told you a couple weeks ago i got a guy new to our church we ran into him outside the building and he said hey are you a pastor and i said i am i said how'd you know i was a pastor he said we've just started coming to your church i said that's awesome and he said you know we used to go to a church that taught there are different ways to God, and it feels like at the chapel, Jesus is like a really big deal there. <laughs> I said, well, how do you feel about a church where Jesus is a really big deal? He said, no, I think I liked it, Jesus. I said, I liked it. <laughs> Listen, because if the other place is telling you a little, little, you can mix it all together and create a God of your own making, they're not telling you the truth. This isn't mean-spirited. It's just clear. <laughs> there is only one way to a relationship with God. It's through Jesus Christ slain before the foundation of the world. And to him be glory, honor, and praise. People are our heart. But hey, guess what? Jesus is our message. Come on, say that with me. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, in a second, turn the service over to Scott's edition. We're going to celebrate baptisms today. And uh, if you're new here today, you need to know some people, different churches baptize different ways. And I'm not hating on that. That's for a different sermon. We put our people all the way under because that's how sinful we are around here. We need to get it all off. And, uh, and uh, 
but really it's a picture of Romans chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 where the Bible says for we were baptized into Christ's death and raised to newness of life it's a way of identifying with Christ's death burial and resurrection that's what baptism is it's us saying we die to an old way of life we rise to a new way of life and you need to know this if you're new here today when people come up out of the baptismal tank people it's no golf claps allowed it's WWE around here okay and here's why it's all built on scripture Luke 15 three times the Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one person who follows God and then it says it again and then it even says a father threw a party you know the whole thing like the story of the lost son and they threw up here's the point when people get baptized heaven parties and so no party like a Holy Spirit party here right and so when they come up out of the water we're gonna celebrate we're gonna cheer we're gonna just rejoice we're gonna if you listen quiet you can hear heaven doing it we're just gonna join in and we're gonna create a celebration because people are our heart in fact when we thought about rolling out a new building we said let's do it on baptism Sunday to remind ourselves it's not about bricks and sticks it's about life change for the glory of God come on let's stand together all over this room Come on, let me pray for us today as we get ready. God, we are waiting with anticipation of what you're going to do next in our church. And so help us all to pray about our place, our position, our role in what you're calling us to. God, next in every season of our life, our marriage, our families, our home, our personal lives, our businesses, God, our church. Today, we are thankful that we can celebrate with brothers and sisters, boys and girls who have trusted in you, Jesus, as the... Uh, the person who brings salvation and new life. And so today, as we get a chance to witness their baptisms, would we be able to just celebrate and rejoice in all you're doing in their lives? For we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, let's celebrate.